0: Minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death construction. In the fields of bodies burning, as the war machine keeps turning, death and hatred to mankind, poisoning. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the, via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. If you get a lurgy, you need to go to the toilets, somebody wants to bo- borrow a cup of sugar, or you fall asleep, listening to the Anarchist World this week. Don't Despair. The program is podcast. You can access it for a few months by going to 3cr.org.au. and you wondering what Andy is all about? No, I, was, I had to laugh. I really had to laugh. I don't laugh often, especially at the uh, Murdoch press, you know, that the gutter press, the yellow press, yellow for coward, not for the type of paper they use. But I think um, one day this week, could have been Monday, or maybe it was yesterday. Oh, I'm not sure, I can't remember. Front page, mayhem. Further in, Occupy. And then Anarchy. All in big letters. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But that's the way life pans out. Now, if you know what Anarchy is all about, it's not what's in the Murdoch press. That's garbage, right? It's garbage not even fit to be composted. That's the problem. An anarchist society is a society without rulers. Anarchos. Without rulers. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. It's a society where decisions are made by the people who, which a decision affects. That's the direct democratic principles. And where delegates are appointed or elected to try to carry out those decisions at a local, <coughs> regional or national level. You notice I didn't use the word State. Artificial creations, artificial creations. So it's a society without rulers. So how do you get a society without rulers? You devolve power, you share wealth. It's simple. You don't need a PhD from a sandstone university. You don't need to surf the net. Very simple concepts. Now, first of all, I'd like to thank all those people who attended the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations, which were held in Ballarat by the Anarchist Media Institute on Sunday, the 3rd of December. We had people from uh, interstate, locals, and obviously people from regional Victoria as well as Melbourne. So it was a great day. 4am to 10pm, I'd like to congratulate all those people who did the stations of Eureka. I mean, uh, very little happens in Ballarat on Eureka Day. It's an extraordinary city, Ballarat. It really is. I mean, I was admonished for taking the mickey out of... Ballarat, but that's the way life goes. You drive into Ballarat on the 3rd of December, or the 2nd, no banners saying, happy Eureka Day, welcome Eureka Day, no banners. You drive through the city, no flags, no Eureka flags. Occasionally one will pop up on a business. You go down to the town hall, no Eureka flag on the main flagpole. You look for activities apart from the activities that we've organised, the you know a lecture that was organised by the Museum of Australian Democracy at Eureka. Nothing. Dead. And This was a Sunday. No excuses. No excuses. And I find it extraordinary. This is a city which, for 163 years, especially in the last 50 years, since the Eureka. Rebellion uh, circumstances have come back into public prom- prominence which uses the symbols of Eureka to promote its interest, interests and privately owned organisations use the symbol of Eureka to promote their bottom line, right? They use the symbols, the flag, a stylized form of flag, the name. And when it comes to the 3rd of December... Nothing from these organisations. Nothing from the Ballarat City Council. Nothing from businesses. Nothing. Just extraordinary. Appropriate the symbols of resistance. Appropriate the symbols and do not pay their dues on the day. But when you think of the way Australia began with European colonisation... Well, you know, we murdered the locals, stole their land. You begin to understand that this is, seems to be a common practice. So we will be launching a campaign early next year, a campaign where we will be contacting all the businesses and institutions which use the Eureka symbols and ask them, what will you be doing to pay your dues on the 3rd of December? We'll be holding a public event... Will you be having a barbecue, or you know, three barbecue for people? It makes sense, doesn't it? Extraordinary. But if the people of Ballarat take umbrage, I'm quite happy to debate the question because it is a disgrace. It is a national disgrace. It's a national disgrace. How little emphasis is placed on the Eureka Rebellion around Australia? But it's a greater disgrace that where the bodies of the people who died fighting for the inalienable rights and liberties, which they believe were born with, they were born with 163 years ago, lie in an unmarked mass grave. And that city cannot mark the day in an appropriate way. I'm not saying they don't mark the day especially with the falls on a weekend. They love to mark the day, but very little happens. Now, talking about disgraces, well, it's interesting, isn't it? The ALP, the Victorian ALP, was shocked. You like that word? Shocked. Shocked. They lost the unlosable election and the Norfolk by-election to the Greens. They were shocked. Didn't expect it. Couldn't believe it. What's happened? We're building so many roads, so many tunnels. Doesn't anybody love us? <laughs> oh, you have to laugh. You really have to laugh as if, I mean, that was Mussolini's line, you know, make the r- trains run on time, build some grandiose buildings, forget about the bloody people. So, you see, I know this is unfashionable in 2017. Uh, But we do live in a community and public facilities and public spaces are exceptionally important, especially in a community that's becoming a little bit, you know, congested. Lots of people rubbing shoulders in a city of 4.5 million people. And it's quite extraordinary that this government, a supposedly Labor government, although, as you know, the ALP... No longer stands for the Australian Labor Party, actually stands for the Alternative Liberal Party. And if you doubt me, just have a look at their policies and you'll see what I'm talking about. When they're in opposition, they kind of fly the flag up. When they get into government, they do the bidding of the corporate sector. Now, before I get into the public housing issue, you know, there are 3,000 group homes in Victoria, and most of them are publicly owned, publicly run, publicly managed. You know what a group home is? It's a home where people who've got major intellectual difficulties, major physical difficulties, major social issues, who can't live anywhere else, live in, live, live in a home of two, three or four other people, right, where services are provided on a 24-hour basis. I mean, it is a product of the deinstitutionalisation, the breakdown of the greatest, the, the, the huge asylums and the, and, uh, that, were, that were around. So it was an idea to decentralise the institutions and make living for people with extraordinary physical, intellectual and social difficulties much, much more than just, you know, feeding them and washing them. Well, there are 3,000 group homes in in Victoria. You know what the Labor government policy is? See, the thing is I don't have to lie. I don't have to make up fake news. On the anarchist world this week, because everything I say I can back up. The Australian Labor Party's policy in Victoria is to privatise the group homes, and they've recently called for expressions of interest, which have now closed, for privately owned organisations to manage and own in some circumstances, these group homes. So how do you solve the problem? You wash your hands of it. You give it to the private sector and then you can say, oh, woe is me. We have all these regulations and these nasty people can't provide the care that's needed. Extraordinary. Again, I don't need to make it up. Now let's get down to public housing now. On Wednesday the 13th of December, is the last sitting day of the Victorian Parliament for 2017. Not forever. <laughs> Not forever. <laughs> I don't think there's been a revolutionary our people's going to occur on the Wednesday the 13th of December. No, no. It's the last sitting day for the Victorian Parliament, OK, for 2017. I'll come back sometime in February, I assume, possibly March. We'll find out. Now, at midday on Wednesday, the 13th of December, we have organised a Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally, and we've been holding these rallies since October 2016. Some have been reasonably attended, some have been poorly attended. But the fact that we have been part of a movement, and we've been at the at the apex of that movement to both defend and extend public housing because defend and extend public housing was formed we were approached when public interest before corporate interest was approached that's right, was approached to, by Friends of Public Housing Victoria to assist them in bringing this issue to the public's attention Now, this is one issue that we have had extraordinary success with. But we need to continue to push the envelope to ensure that before the 24th of November next year, the Victorian State Government turns its back on its social community housing program, turns its back on its efforts to privatise the public house, health, public uh, housing sector. So, what have we achieved in the past 12 months? People say, Oh, Joe, you know, I can't be bothered. Nothing ever changes. You know, it's all too hard. So what has a tiny, minuscule group of activists achieved in the last 12 months? We have stopped the Labour government from giving away public housing titles to the private sector. They're gonna you know, they're gonna have a big, big giveaway. Big giveaway. They've stopped. Because it hasn't been they haven't been, you know, they haven't been seen as nice. Giving away public housing titles to the community and social and housing sector which then they can use to actually raise money to uh, increase their empire. We have dramatically slowed down the Victorian Labor Government's plans to outsource the management of public housing. What they want trying to do with group homes, they want to do with public housing. Wash your hands of the responsibility of providing a roof over people's heads. We have seen the Victorian Legislative Council initiate a Legislative Council inquiry into the Labor Government's Public Housing Renewal Programme. If you go to the Legislative Council site, you will see the submissions that have been made. And on the eve of the Northcote by-election, on the 18th of November, that's the 17th of November, the Legislative Council blocked the Victorian Labor Party's Government Public housing renewal program. You know, the Ashwood site was about to be renewed with these so called private public partnerships, where all the uh, gifts go to the private sector and the public sector gets in a few substandard, uh, a bit of substandard accommodation. And they claim they're going to increase public housing by 10%. percent they never tell you how big it is. So, four things so that if there had been no campaign to defend and extend public housing, none of this would have happened. So I'm encouraging you to join us at midday on Wednesday, the 13th of December. Put it in your diary on the steps of Parliament House, Spring Street. Put it on your diary, the last sitting day. And every time we have a rally we do send an email to all the mem- the 88 members of the lower house, the Legislative Assembly, and the 40 members of the Legislative Council, inviting them to come down and speak to us. Now, most most of them tend to ignore us, because, you know, we're just rabble. People like you and me, we're just, to these people, we are rabble. We're dog shit. But The thing about dog shit lying about is that sometimes you step in it And they've stepped in in it big time. And we're not going to go away. And we're going to continue this campaign till the 24th of November next year. And we're going to build on this campaign. And we're going to ensure that this government makes major changes to its public housing policies. Now, I stood in the Northcote by-election as an independent candidate and directed my preferences to the Green for one reason, to whittle down the majority of the Andrews-led Labor Government to one. That's in the legislative... They have a majority in the Legislative Council to one. I want them to know that if they continue on this t- trajectory of pushing social and community housing, and destroying, not building, and destroying public housing, that their political future is in doubt. Because I can assure them that the Greens will hold the balance of power after the next state election on the 24th of November. And currently, after a little bit of confusion amongst Many sectors of the Greens. Currently, the idea of public housing is first and foremost um, amongst the Victorian Greens. It's an issue, it's a growing issue. But in order to highlight that this is an issue, we need you at this rally next Wednesday, midday to 1 pm. So, why should you bother? You can say, I don't live in public housing, I've never lived in public housing, and I'll never live in public housing. Hmm? Or you can say, well, I rent, I'm working. Why should I be bothered to become involved in a public housing campaign if I'm renting?" Or I am lucky, 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 lucky. The bank's given me money to mortgage my life for the next 40 years so that I can live under a roof where I can actually do my own gardening and put a nail in the wall, paint it as I like. Or, even if you're an investor, a strong public housing sector is good for you. And So how does it work? We live in a capitalist-driven economy where the public sector has almost been legislated out of existence. And there's assault on group homes, which are publicly owned, and what's left of the public housing sector... These are assaults on the idea that we as a community through government should provide access to basic necessary resources to people, that we don't just leave it to the private sector. Because when you leave it to the private sector, as we assume of the banking sector, which is about to face a royal commission, when you leave it to them, what we see is increased prices. That's what we see. So a strong public housing sector based on the idea, and it's a simple idea, of using the $6 billion which is collected every year from stamp duty, which is it's just a tax which is levied by the government on people who buy property, right? Stamp duty, $6 billion last financial year. If you divert that money to the public housing sector, you divert $1 billion for, say, ongoing repairs and management, five billion to spot purchase homes across the state. You could spot purchase anywhere between twenty to twenty five thousand residential units every year. You could house at least under seventy to one hundred thousand people, new people in public housing within twelve months. Within a year, within sorry, within a decade, you would have over twenty five percent of Victorians living in secure public housing which is basically based on the concept of that you only need to pay 25% of your income to access that housing not 50 or 60%. So a strong public housing sector puts downward pressure on rents, puts downward pressure on entry level home prices and and this is where investors should be jumping up and down it actually increases improves social cohesion. Less crime, especially petty crime. Think about it. Public house is everyone's business. So if you are young, if you're old, if you're poor, if you're rich, we'd like to see you at the rally. Next Wednesday, 13th of December, steps of the Victorian Parliament House. And if you're saying oh, I'm listening to this in the ACT or South Australia or Tasmania or Western Australia or Queensland or New South Wales and we don't have anything like that there. Well, take a leaf out of our book. Look at what we've done. Go to the Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing. Go to the Facebook page. Look at what we've done. See what you can do. You can do it. It's simple. If I can do it. You can do it. I've got nothing special here. I haven't got any guns. I haven't got any bombs. I'm not in Parliament. I've got no influence. I don't have the Murdoch media knocking at my door here. I mean, I'm just a piddly little person broadcasting from a piddly little community radio station into the community radio network. But at least we have something positive to say, unlike the hate mongers we see growing Amongst us every day. Now, I do love... Look, I love the Groper. He's my hero. He is my hero. You know why I love him? Because he's so transparent. 20%. Company tax down to 20%. Wow. That means they have to find $1.2 trillion. We're not talking about billions anymore, we're talking about trillions over the next 10 years to pay for those tax cuts. And how do you do that? You rip off the poor. You rip off those people, you know, who uh, can least afford to be ripped off. And you pocket the profits. Love it. Love it. A great recipe for social dislocation, reform, revolution even. Keep it up, Groper, President Groper of the US of A, the land of the brave and the free. And also, the Groper's gone even one better. He's opening up hundreds of thousands of acres, millions of acres of public land public parks, turning them into development opportunities. Love it. If only he came to Australia, if only his policies were... Oh, well, they are, aren't they, when you think about it? All right. So you can see. So what are Australia's corporations saying? We want the groper's tax cuts. It's good for us. Not good. It's not good for human life, but it's good for us. All right. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia, the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Stoscoe and I'm hosting today's program. You like a flutter? Look, I like a flutter, OK? I'm weak. You get to an age in life where the only way you're going to make money is to put a few bob on tats a lot, eh? So if you like a flutter... You're not alone in the land of the brave... Well, no, sorry. We're not the land of the brave and the 3 We're the land of the fair go, mate. Okay? You're not alone. You're not alone. Did you know that in the last financial year that Australians lost $24 billion on gambling? Now, wonder there are so many ads on television and radio about and newspapers and, the, and social media about gambling, they lost $24 billion. No, no, they didn't win. Some people won. But as a whole, as a community, we lost $24 billion. And king, king of the gambling community are the pokies, the poker machines. Australians lost, collectively, 12 billion dollars on pokies $5.2 billion at the casino $2.9 billion at the races and we even lost $1.9 billion that's some of my money in the lotto and the new kid in the block sports betting hasn't even managed to nudge a billion dollars they're about $920 million Extraordinary, isn't it? Now, when you think that the national budget is around $440 billion, that means about five cents of every dollar which is earned in this country goes back to the gambling industry. That's $24 billion. Extraordinary. Just extraordinary, but, you know, we can just continue to let it happen. Yeah, well, people want to lose, and see that's the tragedy. There's no nobody saying, well, well. There are some people saying, well, this isn't quite kosher, is it? You know, losing 24 billion dollars in one year just not doesn't seem to be right, especially when most of the pokey venues are in poorer suburbs, because obviously, rich people go to the casino, don't they? As well as poor people, obviously. All right, let's move on. Now, you may not know, there's a little dispute going on at WebDocs in Melbourne. The Maritime Union of Australia, which was formed in 1872, 20 years before the general strike that occurred in Australia in the 18, early 1890s, has got a problem. Melbourne has become the first automated port. Fully automated port Or is becoming And guess what Union officials are not Wanted A union official Has been denied Entry because he's Failed a security clearance Now the current current, Yeah You know it's quite amazing, just quite amazing. All over the world we've got these huge cartels which are now monopolising dock work and what's the first thing they do? You know what's the first thing they do? is They get rid of the local workers. They bring in overseas workers. They mechanise the place and kind of outsource the running of the port to a third world country where they don't have to pay them very much. You know, so there are workers across the world, from Chicago to Karachi to Madagascar to Melbourne, who are finding not only are their jobs disappearing, but that, anybody who belongs to a trade union, doesn't get a job, and even if they get a job when they're a member of a union later on, you find that somehow you can't pass a security clearance. A security clearance, which I could pass, hopefully, just extraordinary. So there is a continuing blockade, and it's a community blockade of the port, because obviously the the courts, in their wisdom, have said that the Maritime Union of Australia cannot go within a hundred metres of Webb So if you are in Melbourne and you would like to support this particular campaign, and they are looking for volunteers, community picketers to be involved, just go to the webs, go to the uh, The Dock, 78, 78, Web, W-E-W-B, Dock Drive in Port Melbourne. 78, Web, W-E-W-B, Dock Drive in Port Melbourne. Say, hello, I'm here to help. Because this is part of an ongoing pattern. It's just not on the docks. It's everywhere. It's gaining momentum. As the trade unions become weaker because of legislation which you, which basically legislates them out of existence, employers become you know, more emboldened. They don't want to pay penalty rates. They don't want to pay holiday pay. They just want subcontractors working for them. That's all they want. People they can give a fixed rate to and say, take it or le- lump it, you know. Take it or lump it, take it or leave it. This is what they want. And we've seen rights and conditions which were won over tens of years, decades of struggle, hundreds of years of struggle, just disappear overnight. And the Fair Work Commission goes bang, 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 bang. Just stamps the agreement and says, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? No more pesky trade unions involved. No more workers just Individual contractors are responsible for their super, their sick pay, you know, and just goes on and on. Their holiday pay, mayhem, mayhem. So, think about it. So if you've got the time, wander down It's a 24-hour community picket, 78 Web, W-E-B-B, Dock Drive, Port, Melbourne. It's not just about the Melbourne docks, it's about what's happening around this country. Where when enterprise bargaining agreements uh, begin, discussions begin, the first thing the employer says, no unions, no more um, wage earners, just independent, individual contractors, we can screw. Because if they don't do what we tell them, they can piss off. Because that's the way it goes. So this is bigger than the web doc. This is a big struggle across the country. So join them. Down at WebDoc, 78 WebDoc Drive, Port Melbourne, if you're in Victoria. Now, I make it my habit to do, you know, to subject myself to intellectual pain in order to bring I- facts and figures and ideas to our listeners, you know. Sometimes I do things that I really feel sick about, like looking at a Murdoch-owned newspaper, sorry I just vomited over the uh, the microphone here, Ugh. or I actually watch the news, but I've never watched Fox News, and so the, you, it's okay, it's okay, and sometimes you glean a little bit of information that's useful, now I am so proud of this country, I'm so proud to be Dinky Die. I'm so proud to have been born here. Because in the land of the that's New Zealand, in the land of Oz, the land down under, CEOs that's chief executives officers, earn seventy eight. That's right times more than the average wage. So their average wage for a CEO is about four point seven million dollars now. I'm sure you won't see 4.7 billion dollars in your lifetime, or, your, or the, your children's lifetime. But there are people in the society that are averaging 4.7 billion million million. Sorry about that. 4.7 million dollars. All right. Now to earn 4.7 million dollars, you'd have to earn about oh, what's that about 90,000? I think 95,000 a week. Nice work if you can get it. So the average CEO's salary is 78 times than the average weekly wage, which is, I think these days, around $1,200. All right? And we say, isn't that good? Isn't that good? The people who exploit us get get rewarded. Just extraordinary. And uh, we say, well, you know, Jay, they tell me, That's the way it is. You can't fight city Hall. Just go to bed. Forget about it. It'll be fine. Well, it's not fine. And that's the reason they get away with it, because that's what we say. We say, it's fine. It's fine. Well, it's not fine. These are just CEOs. CEOs. I'm sure they don't... Don't get me started. Just to let you know that little piece of news, you may find it boring, you may find it interesting, but you will know that you are being ripped off. You do that. And it gets better. Because, you see, one way the trade unions have been able to continue to exist is because the every time you see an industry super fund ad, that's a trade union ad. Now, the federal government has been trying very hard to break... The power of the industry super funds, although, as you know, the industry super funds always, almost always, have a better return than the privately owned funds. So the privately owned funds have been knocking on the door of the federal government, saying, "Mal, Malcolm, we know you got all that money down at the, you know, in the Indies, you know, down in the Caribbean." Well, couldn't you help us out, you know? Can't you help, a, help, a, help us out, mate? These industry super funds, they're killing us, mate. Their returns are always better because they don't have to make a profit. It's a non-profit organisation. So Malcolm, and he, you know, being a businessman, a little bit like the Grover says, yes, look, what we could do is we'll try to change the legislation so we for, we impose independent, you like that, independent directors and the industry super boards to ensure that these people do not, under any circumstances, actually assist people. We don't want that to happen. So it's a bad example for everybody else. But guess what? It's been blocked. They haven't got the support in the Senate. So their plans to... Destroy the trade union run industry superannuation funds are currently on the back burner. But think about it. Do you want to invest your money with some private organization that needs to make a profit and an increasing profit every year from the money that you've given them to invest on your behalf? Or you're going to take ten percent. Sorry, five percent. Think about it. It's just extraordinary, extraordinary. So, everywhere you look, you see all these legislative attempts to make things better. Not for us, but for those who have power and wealth. You know, you have tax cuts, helps the corporate sector. You squeeze people on, on uh, new start allowances, helps the corporate sector. You privatise everything that's not nailed down and use a hammer, to, a to claw hammer to rip out the nails of that stuff that is tied down, helps the corporate sector. And you think to yourself, what's the purpose of government? Is the purpose of government to look after the interests of the people who will elect that government? Or is the purpose of government to make extraordinary profits for unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to their major shareholders? And I know what the purpose of the Australian Government is and if you're really good I will share it with you the purpose of the Australian Government is first and foremost to promote corporate interests before public interests every available indicator corporate interests before public interests that's the policy that's been the policy for the last 40 years And it's good to see that it's working so well for the people of this country. Good to see. I'm so excited for them. So excited. Have you noticed the new economy? I love the new economy. I love the new economy. Whether it's those people riding bicycles and bikes with food on their backs. Whether it's people who are... You know, in their own taxis, racing around, providing a service, whether it's people of an extra apartment or two who like to lease it out, you know. I love it. Love it. Love it. Because the beauty, or Amazon, which has just come into the land of Oz, love them. Great companies. I love all these companies because they are bringing capitalism, the C word, back to its original roots, the 19th century capitalism. No public interference, no trade unions, you know. You don't pay tax in the country you operate in, you don't pay the workers a decent wage, you make them all individual contractors, you rake in the cash for your shareholders, and you say, what a good boy am I, little Jack Horner, put in his thumb in the pie and pulled out a plum and said, what a good boy am I. And I love the Airbnb story because the great thing about the Andrews-led Labor government and all the other state governments around the country, if a corporation wants something, a corporation gets it. Time and time again. So, if you think it's a new, smart way to do business... No, it's the old way to do business you ensure that your workers can't collectively bargain then you give them you know when you feed them it's the you know it's not the healthiest of stuff and the list goes on and on and on so it's good to see that uh, people are beginning to wake up but the problem is people think, well what should I do? should I just sit there, cross my fingers and hope it'll all go away Well it won't go away. And talking about things going away, I'd like to invite you to something. Because every week we are involved in things. And we're not involved in things for the sake of being involved in things. We are involved in things to change society. To improve expectations. To ensure that public interests are put before corporate interests, and just like to remind you that if you want to join public interest before corporate interests, it costs nothing. All you've got to do is download the application from, form from info at pipsy.net, info at pipsy.net. And if you can't do that, you can always write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 and we'll send you out an application form. Or you can leave a, an address and a name on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. And we will send you out an application form. Very simple. Now, what's happening this Saturday? Well, again, it's in Melbourne. I don't know why it's always in Melbourne. So have you got stuff happening in your part of the world that you want us to let people know about? Give us a tingle. Email us the information because the Atticus World this week is broadcast Australia-wide via the Community Radio Network. It's also a podcast. You can access the net anytime you like. Very simple. So this Saturday, well, it starts on Friday at 6.30pm on Friday night. That's right. On Friday night. We will be holding, that's right, we, we, not me, the West Papuan community are holding a opening. Because this is Sampari week, very important week for the West Papuan community. And you're all invited. And you're all invited to become involved. So... So what's all this about the West Papua here? So what's all this stuff about West Papua? Why should I be interested? Well, I mean, we've all heard about what's happening in Syria, Syria and Yemen, and we're all very familiar with it, and we've discussed it, obviously, by what's happening, but we're familiar with it. But how many Australians know that West Papua is actually 78 kilometres from Australia? 78 kilometres. That's not even the width of Sydney or Melbourne. 78 kilometres. And that West Papua is an Indonesian province. It's less than, as I said, 80 kilometres from Australia. Over the past 60 years, over 500,000. That's right, half a million, not many, just a half a million, West Papuans have died as a direct result of the Indonesian colonisation of West Papuan land. Simple. Simple. Today, in 2017, West Papuans barely make up 50% of the population. A transmig- transmigration program sponsored by the Indonesian government has seen tens, if not hundreds of thousands of Indonesians coming across to West Papua and being given land Given land sounds like uh, the Victorian Labor Party's uh, public housing policy. Given land, which has been stolen from the West Papuans. And on every available social and economic indicator in 2017, West Papuans languished far behind migrants from other parts of Indonesia. And at the centre of this is that mountain of gold which has been mined by the United States-owned three-port Fortunately, fortunately, for the West Papuans in West Papua and the refugee community around the world, fortunately, fortunately, we care. We support them. Three and a half years ago, the West Papuan Rent Collective was formed. And the Rent Collective was formed to raise the rent on, for a West Papua office which could be used as a hub, an international hub, to promote the struggle for independence in West Papua. And that office is located at Suite 211, 838 Collins Street in Docklands. Office hours 10am to 4pm Monday to Friday. If you want to visit, drop in and have a chat with the volunteers. And everybody in that office is a volunteer. Nobody gets paid. It's not like a lot of charities we have these days. Oh, obviously, well, this is a political, this is not a charity. If you want to pop into the office, give them a ring on 20 250 389. Now, everybody in the Rent Collective pays a dollar a day, $30 a month into a bank account. You can pay the money anonymously, you can put in a cheque, you can do it by, you know, the internet banking, the list goes on on, as long as their money gets into the account. And on Saturday, the 9th of December, from 1pm to 4pm, at the Australian Catholic University Art Gallery at 26 Brunswick Street in Fitzroy, the West Papuairet Rent Collective end-of-year gathering occurs. And I'm inviting every listen to this program, to the Rent Collective Party. And you know why I'm inviting you there? Because we need new members for the Rent Collective. We're about $1,000 short every month in the rent. And if it wasn't for the generosity of the late Trevor Grant, Mr Trevor Grant, the West Papuan office would have closed down six months ago. So we are now eating to the money which was left by Trevor Grant in order to help, you know, raise a deposit for a permanent office for the West Papuan community in Australia. So it's not about us just Australia. The West Papuans are very poor. They're refugees, minimal resources. They're involved in this continuing struggle against Indonesian authorities. And they need an office space which we've provided. And that office space has been instrumental, instrumental in promoting their struggle right up to the United Nations where the Decolonisation Committee is about to look at the situation. So as I said, this Saturday, 9th of December, 1pm to 4pm at the Art Gallery at 26 Brunswick Street in Fitzroy. And why an art gallery? Because from, the 8th, from Friday the 8th of December... Right through the week, there are events all day, which you can get access to. There are events all day. So, you don't have to ring anybody to turn up. Lunch is provided by Some Party, And guess what's for lunch? I can't believe this. Starts at 1pm. You're invited to attend. Try before you die. (laughs) Not die. (laughs) Try before you buy. If you like it, well, then you can become a member of the West Papuan Rent Collect. If you don't like it, fine. At least you've experienced it. Wow. Sorong cocktail and cassava crackers. Papuan fish, rice chap chai, which is vegetables, and sambal of chilli sauce. Good to see. Now, at 2pm, the real business starts because the West Papuan community reports back to the Rent Collective what they've done, right? So there'll be a report given. There'll be a report from the office. There'll be a report from the women's office. As the convener of the West Papua Independence Movement Rent Collective, there'll be a badge, a Rent Collective badge ceremony. So if you are a, a Rent Collective member and you haven't received your badge, come along. And, and it gets better. It's a little bit like those ads on TV. So, that any person who, or rent collective member who brings the most new members to the uh, end of year gathering at the Sampari uh, Art Exhibition at uh, 26 Brunswick Street in Fitzroy gets two bottles of wine from South Bernard in Queensland. Con Maru wine. In- incredible. And at 225 Jack Jacob Rumbiak, West Papuan Foreign minister, will be giving a tribute to my late wife Ellen Jose and will be speaking about what happened at the United Nations General Assembly in New York in 2017. and don't forget after that there's the change, the West Papuan the musical, which uh, producer Izzy Brown has uh, organized. so it's up to you you can watch tv you can put your money in the pokies you can buy some new clothes you can buy why don't you buy for christmas your friend the west pop and rent collective you know join the west pop and rent collective on their behalf we'll give them a little card you don't have to buy a goat or a cow just join the west pop and rent collective so Come down, seriously. Saturday the 9th of December, 1pm to 4pm, ACU Art Gallery, 26 Brunswick Street in Fitzroy. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20. Parkville 3052 Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 You can go to the website anarchismedia.org Want to see what I'm doing? What activities we're involved in? Go to my personal Facebook page Toscano, the number for the public Toscano for the public Pictures will be up regarding the Eureka celebrations. There's lots of other information there Want to join the Wren Collective? Go to the same Facebook page All the information is there you don't, have to ri- don't ring anybody if you need to come on the 29th. on the 9th of December, 1pm to 4pm. Turn up 26 Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. Don't forget the Defendant Extend Public Housing rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House at midday on Wednesday, the 13th of December. Don't forget the uh, picket line down at 72, the community picket line at 78. Web Dock Drive in Port Melbourne. So although the year's coming to an end, we are still marching, walking, tripping forward. And I don't mean didn't mean that trip either. Thank you once again, Felicia the Anarchist will this week on your local community radio station, courtesy, courtesy of the community radio network. This program has been streaming live on three CR. My name is Joseph Toscano. Go to the Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page. Join in the discussion. Go to the Anarchist Media Institute. Download. Download the application for PIPs Public Interest before Corporate Interest. Become a member. Download it from info at pipsy.net. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. This program has been... Broadcast courtesy of the Community Radio Network Which broadcasts to over 150 over one hundred and fifty community radio stations Belong to the Community Radio Network Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week On your local community radio station Listen in next week Evil minds at plot destruction <laughs> Construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist Wall this week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10 a.m. every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist Wall this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national, and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.